welcome to this golf podcast unlike any other. We have done it. It's a brand new PGA Tour season here on Fairway Rolling, the golf podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. We just put the bow on last season. We're about to start the new season. Only 48 hours has elapsed, but there is golf happening and we're here to talk about it. I am Joe House, your starter for Fairway Rolling. And on this episode, our PGA Tour correspondent, Nathan Hubbard, we have some thoughts on the super season that we're taking a look at this year. 50 events, six majors, and Olympics, and a Ryder Cup. It's going to be unbelievable. Let's get over to the first tee. Nate and I have some swings to take. My Eagle enthusiasts, it's Fairway Rolling, presented by FanDuel. Major season is here, and you can get in on all the long drives, big putts, and major moments with FanDuel. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, my Eagle enthusiasts on the line. As always, he is our PGA Tour correspondent on the ground, Nathan Hubbard. Nate Dog, what's happening, brother? Feels like we were just talking about golf with the old... Ugh, I can't even make a dumb joke about it because everybody's already made it. The new season is here. It's barely 48 hours. The, the ball's in the air. 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern Thursday. And we were doing recap late night, Monday night. But look, this is the moment that we are in and... We are excited. What we have in front of us right this moment, Nathan Hubbard, is a super season. The super season. 50 events, six majors, Ryder Cup, Olympics. Can we handle all this goddamn golf? Yes, we can. It's not really going to be 50 events. And I don't even know how they're counting to 50. Like, it's, it's not that much crazier than years past. We're really getting an Olympics. We're getting 
two events in the Dominican Republic. I have no idea why. <laughs> I th- it's clearly the contract that they signed down there uh, has scared them enough that they got to do two Dominicans. Uh, and then we've Bermuda. Got, Bermuda's yeah, on the schedule. Bermuda was there last year, though. I know, you know that's a good one. We, we got a lot of events that are counter events, right? The, the 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 second Dominican event goes against the WGC in Austin. The Barbasol goes against the British Open. The Barracuda in Tahoe goes against the FedEx St. Junes in Memphis. And then I think they count the Hero World Challenge and the QBE shootout, whatever those are that happen. I know what the hero is, but I know what the QBE shootout is that's in December. I think they count those two. You're right about that. They did start adding points. There's a small number of points available for that shootout. That's the thing I think they do down there in Naples, right? At the uh, at the Ritz down there. That's it's, a fancy place that sounds like you visit often. It's it's <laughs> How dare it's, you? It's foreign to me, but I'm sure it's beautiful. It is in Naples. It's at Tiburon, the QBE. Tiburon, there we go. I, I actually have played there before, and it's a lovely facility. And Rory Sabatini and Kevin Tway are the defending champions, but they only won $435,000, which is like 30th place at the tour championship. So who gives a shit? that's that's exactly right well when it comes to this massive mega schedule we give a shit because we do there are you know in in addition to the the sheer volume of golf the only break the only meaningful break when i looked at the schedule is from december the 6th to january the 6th it seems you know depending on whether or not you count the qbe i don't but in terms of stroke play tournament golf there's about about a month. And otherwise, if one was inclined, one could play golf every single week between basically like now and next, you know, September, the middle of September, give or take. I think it's great. The question is, you know, what does it mean for how the guys are going to manage their schedules? Because there was a sneaky change to the wraparound season in 2019, you know, the the year before COVID, where they stuffed a whole bunch of new events into the fall. And historically, the best players come through the tour championship and then they put down the clubs and they take most, if not all of the fall off. And we don't really see them again until, you know, Kapalua, until the Century Tournament of Champions. But between that season in 2019 and then the hijacked covid hijacked season that we just completed there were some really subtle and important changes to the way that guys have to now manage their schedules and the telltale sign of it was what we saw coming down the stretch in the summer and you and i had started talking about it at the restart which was holy shit justin rose is pretty far back and wow brooks kepka is like 200th right now. And DJ has a long way to go. And Sergio and Zach Johnson, all these guys who were used to seeing at the top of leaderboards were suddenly outside looking in on even just making the FedEx Cup playoffs. And some of those guys missed out, as we know this year. We didn't see any of those guys except DJ, who had a huge rally, as we know, at the Tour Championship. And so what's coming up this year is a pretty dramatic change, I think, to how guys manage their schedules going forward. So what are you anticipating, right? If there's 50 uh, opportunities and we know that guys will try and tailor 
the top guys will try and tailor their schedules to have have their sort of best peak performance track the big events. So March is the players, April is the Masters, May is the PGA Championship, uh, June is the U.S. Open, and July is the Open Championship. And then I I'm skeptical. I'll knock on wood. I I like the Olympics and I like golf in the Olympics. I don't love a stroke play event for it. I'd like it a lot better if there was team, a team aspect to it where, um, you know, you could play for your country a a bit more guys can Um, fight. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever, whatever it takes. But I, you know, I, it's not, it's interesting, but not, I, I I have uh, an open question in my mind around, you know, how likely a lot of the top guys are going to play. In Japan, oh, knocking on wood again, hoping for the the actual uh, Olympics taking place this year, and then you know the 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 playoffs, um, right. you know, begin late August again because of the time that the tour is is, is putting into the schedule to accommodate the Olympics, right. and so you know we're and- going to have another. Tour championship that seems like it's going to fall right around Labor Day. That's right, September second to the fifth, and and then we get the Ryder Cup. So you've got almost every month. The only thing you left out is obviously we got a U.S. Open in two weeks, and we got a Masters in November. And so I I think look here's how the math works. Like the cut line in 2019 to make the playoffs was 375 FedEx Cup points, and the guys who made the top 125, they only averaged about 23 events, 23.3. So you're telling me that, you know, if we back out some of those, some of those goofy events and some of the overlaps, there's still probably 45 events that are out there. Sung JM, who we always joke about, he plays every damn event he possibly right. can. Yes. He played the most, he played 35 events in 2019. And we're talking about 2019 again, because the schedule was abbreviated in, in, you know, 2020, obviously, but, but Justin Thomas played 20. A lot of the guys of his caliber really only played between call it 18 and 22 events. But this year with so many events and, uh, uh, the guys who really struggled, they woke up and realized, oh my gosh, I I am, multiple miles behind the pack right now, uh, come, you know, January, February, because so many events now happen in the fall. There's real quality events almost every week in the fall. I think we're going to see guys play more events this year. What that really means is you've got to average, you know, to, to just make the FedEx cup playoffs, you got to average about 16 points every start, which is like a 40th, but guys take weeks off they miss cuts, right? And so really it comes down to, uh, you know, nobody who qualified for the top 25 or top 125 didn't have a top 10. So everybody who made the, the, the top 125 had a top 10. So people first and foremost are thinking, hey, I got a top 10, but if I don't top 10, I, I got to have maybe 10 finishes in the top 25. So that's just to make the baseline. So, so this is all to say that in this upcoming season, the fall is huge. Even if we took away the U.S. Open and the extra Masters, the fall is super important. And even more so now because they took the Asian events, they canceled the one in China, but they brought the one in Korea and the one in Japan 
back to the West Coast. We're going to have two events in Vegas now and one back in LA uh, up at Sherwood Country Club. And so you're going to have a lot of guys who otherwise would have sat out these events this fall who come in to a bunch of events that we haven't normally seen them. That's great for us as golf viewers, but for all of the regular golfers, they're going to have to pick and choose which events they decide to play because some of them are going to be loaded. I think the the events in Las Vegas that came back, the CJ Cup that came back from Korea, that's at Shadow Creek in Vegas. That is a nasty, awesome course, and the best guys are going to play that tournament. You, you know they're going to play that tournament because the purse is almost 10 million bucks. Right. Who's going to show up the week after the U.S. Open in the Dominican Republic and the week after for $4 million purse and the week after that in Jackson, Mississippi for a six and a half-ish million dollar purse? Yeah. And those that's, that's exactly the point that you're making. By my count, if you exclude the U.S. Open... And the uh, masters, and then you you rec- take re- recognition of the fact that the hero is Tiger's uh, little mini invitational. Yeah, it's basically a party on the beach. I count ten stroke play tournament events starting with the Safeway this week. So yeah. that that's a that's a pretty healthy number, and that is exactly if I was you know a young guy that um, didn't have, you know, family situation that, that required me to be like home, you know, trying to monitor kids or whatnot. Um, and I was trying to, to build some points up to use, you know, to, just, just, just to have a little momentum going into 2021. I'd be looking at those 10. I would be gauging and anticipating what the fields, the quality of fields would look like. Yes. And I'd be going ham. I'd be going hard as a mother. At like Bermuda and hard as a mother down to the Dominican Republic and hard as a mother down to Mississippi because th- those points count for all the reasons that you just described. They count as much as as all of the events that we know and love that happen in the early months of the calendar year. And and what really is going to happen, I mean, we're not going to see guys play more than about five or six in a row. But you're going to have a bunch of the field locked into the top 125 before we even get to Maui and Kapalua. And so that's why this fall is so important. It's what the tour wanted when they created this wraparound season and when they stuffed these events into the fall. They wanted to not go away. Um, Their problem has been historically, hey, I can't get the best players off their butts. But with what we've seen in the FedEx Cup, first of all, the people who couldn't qualify, Brooks just pulled the ripcord because he just knew it was going to take too much of an effort to get there and he was hurt and had to peak for the US Open. But there's a bunch of guys who just couldn't get there. Um, And on the flip side, the size of the purse, which we talked about last night, $15 million for first place. But man, I can come in, you know, uh, second and make five. I can come in last at the tour championship and make 400K. Between those two things, it's working. The incentive structure that the tour created is working, and you're going to see more big guys play this fall. As much as the money, it's also the exemptions. Like it, it's it's meaningful to get into you know the the Hawaii event. All top 30 in this year's are, are all playing. Uh, I mean, all have the the right to play down in. Hawaii plus the exemption into next year's players and plus the the Masters and the uh, U.S. Open and there's one other is it the Open Championship? Yeah, the Open Championship. Yes. 
Like yeah. that's crazy meaningful, crazy important. I, I mean, obviously the money is is good enough inducement, but I think access is is also highly desirable. We talked about Sebastian Munoz last night. He finished tied for eighth in the FedEx Cup at the Tour Championship. He won one event, and that was the Sanderson Farms Championship in Jackson, Mississippi, which happens in the fall, that almost nobody goes and plays. And so that is the path for a guy like that to get two years of exemption on tour, like you just said, into all the majors. So that brings us to an interesting point, which is that with all of these tournaments and so many good guys, it means that, you know, I mean, the, the most wins we had on tour last year was three. Uh, 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 you know, a single, single guy who won, uh, you know, three, three tournaments, nobody won four. Right. So there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of variability in the winners that we have everybody from Dustin Johnson down to, you know, as we joked about Michael Thompson or, or, or Jim Herman, the traditional reward for a win has been two years of exemption into all the events on tour. We're starting to stack the deck so much that we have so many guys who are qualifying. And by the way, next summer, there's going to be a whole another 75 guys, 50 guys who come up from the Corn Ferry Tour onto the FedEx, right? So there's just this influx of so many guys. I think by the end of this year, they're going to have to step back and say, are we offering too much reward for a win on the PGA Tour? And my bet is that by the end of next uh, of this season, by the start of next season, they will reduce the exemption from two years to one year for a win. I just think they're going to have too many guys backed up. They won't be able to fit them all into a reasonable field. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you will always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply this episode is brought to you by evernorth health services costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care and evernorth is doing everything in their power to make that possible behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that'll benefit your bottom line. It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because they're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important 
to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Well, the interesting thing, and uh, we could keep going on, uh, on and on and on in terms of like, you know, the, the, the permutation for what you just described is, you know, they're, they're going to have to put relegation back into play again. Yep. And they also have to deal with the um, challenge of making these tournaments interesting to the uh, consuming public because the 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 purses come from the fact that this is an entertainment product. It is something that that folks uh, like you and I like to sit down and watch on television. If the schedule feels oversaturated, what do you think the ratings are going to be like? For you know, I don't. I don't. I want to. I won't pick on any tournament, but you know, for a, for a non-major in a smallish market. That's just, you know, uh, at a point in the sports schedule where we're going to have the NFL, we're going to have college football, who knows what's going on with college basketball, who knows when the NBA and hockey will restart, you know, with the, with coincident with the, the new year with 2021. So when you have that kind of competition for entertainment, uh, television viewership and for, for, for dollars, right. Especially, you know, in, in terms of the tour's uh, admirable commitment to the gambling community, you know, that that will be interesting to sort of pay attention to o- over the course of the year because this feels like a high watermark for the tour in terms of having all of these events available and kind of the pent-up demand for the tour. And they really enjoyed a run starting in June of being one of the only games in town. And, and you know, some of the numbers bear that out, both in terms of viewership but also in terms of handle at gambling, I think the Colonial, um, you know, the start off, the, the the restart number one event had like 10 times the normal handle and and rivaled, you know, some major tournaments in terms of number of folks that gambled. And the same thing is true in terms of the interest of the American sporting public in, in, in playing the game. It was uh, and has been over the course of the spring and summer, one of the very few sort of acceptable activities where you could get together with people, be socially responsible about it, social distance properly, be outside and minimize the risk, you know, is is a, a schedule that looks like this that's so jam-packed with with events, is is there a risk of of, you know, golf sort of losing its 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 place and and you know, folks sort of wandering off and, and losing interest? I think not, and I think not for two reasons. The first is that because they have created the right incentive structure with the FedEx Cup, guys are going to go from playing 20 events, the best guys are going to go from playing 20 to more like 25 to 28 events this year. We're going to see more of the best players 
uh, out there more often. And that is basically every other week of the year. We're going to have some of the really good players out there. And that happened. I mean, that we, we have proof of concept. That's what happened over the last 13 weeks. We had most of the best guys playing most of the time. And it's going to put a premium on the guys who can stay fit and who can be consistent. It's going to, it's advantage Sung J.M., right? Um, massive disadvantage Tiger Woods. But the reason over the last four weeks and, and months before that, that we've seen the PGA Tour do so many business development deals with you know, gambling sites is for exactly what you just nailed, which is that the restart, they were the only game in town and they really have found a way to keep people's interest through gambling. And we talk a lot about picks on this podcast. We've now got an event coming up this week, which we'll talk about in a second, but it's in all fairness, a super diluted field. The, the We got Phil Mickelson, we got Jordan Spieth, we got uh, reigning open champion Shane Lowry, and we got a donkey stable full of guys who are all good, interesting golfers, but who aren't going to move the needle on the telecast. On the other hand, gambling on golf is super fun. And so as we set the table for the season to come, I think for uh, our, our birdie buddies, maybe House, you can talk a little bit about as we get into this fall season, how you think about gambling on golf on a week like this, where we don't have the tour championship and we don't have, you know, guys one through 20 in the world all competing. That's an easier way to do it. But what are the ways that you approach gambling on golf in a week like this one we have in front of us? So uh, a couple thoughts. I love gambling on weeks like this. I absolutely adore it because this is a week where you don't have a cluster of top-notch guys at, you know, eight to one or nine to one or 12 to one. Instead, you have the books, you have Vegas taking a look and be like, eh, throw a dart. So Phil Mickelson and Siwoo Kim are, have the best odds at 18 to one, best odds to win, according to, to Vegas. Brendan Steele at 22 to one, Jordan Spieth at 25 to one, Joel Damon at 28 to one. Harold Varner the third at 28 to one Sergio. So it's like that. And, you know, I, as uh, in, in, in general, um, only play, you know, a couple of picks each week in terms of outright winner, because you just, it's impossible to, to, to pick the outright winner, unless you're willing to bet, you know, 10 or 12 guys at a time. One of the things that's fun about tournaments like this is this this kind of tournament tends to have uh, first-time winners. I think five of the last nine have been first-time winners. And it tends to be guys further down the sheet that have something going on with their games that, you know, it, it clicks for them. And so I think, like, the average odds for the winner of this event over the past 10 years is something like, in the 65 to 75 to one range, something like that, because wow. a couple guys have come completely out of nowhere and, 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 and taken this tournament down. I think Emiliano Grillo was like 125 to one when he won it five or six years ago. And so those guys at the top with the odds that you listed out, that's really just being set based on their popularity. There's not a lot of value there. 
their anticipated popularity. That's exactly right. I mean, there might be value. Siwoo Kim was in pretty damn good form. Um, you know, he he uh, was the 54-hole co-leader down at, at Sedgefield, and he he um, had a pretty good uh, PGA championship. Phil Mickelson is just Phil Mickelson. So he's like the biggest name uh, on, on the sheet here. And what people with recency bias will remember is that Phil just won two weeks ago at a senior event. Right. He also, you know, loves playing on the West Coast. He's talked about how much he likes this particular venue. He likes red wine is what he likes. He, he, he really well, likes a good bottle of cab. But I I um, only play to win, you know, straight out winners, like just for like silly reasons. I expect right. to lose those bets. So what are the other bets? What I like is head-to-head. What I like are tournament head-to-heads. I play tournament head-to-heads, and I'll typically play four. I'll try and find advantages based on um, what the attributes of the venue call for, right? So typically, you look at four or five different kind of aspects of, of what the winners in past years have done successfully and you say, okay, so for instance, one of the stats for this course, there are seven par fours that range between 400 and 450 yards. Who are the guys that perform the best over the last 24 rounds in that statistical category? I know one guy. Yeah, I know the guy that we don't want to talk about, right? It's he who shall not be named. He who shall not be named. The guy that I never bet on out of, out of superstition. As soon as he wins, by the way, I'm betting on him every week, but I also, you know, I looked at uh, uh, putting on POA because these are POA greens, right? That's another statistic uh, at, at this place. Uh, you know, so, some um, approach, strokes gained approach, right? That's that's always important. And that's just a, a, a common thing we keep talking about. It fairways gained, if you hit um, the fairways here, um, you know, you, 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 you have a slightly better chance at, at getting the ball to hold. And I'm interested when we start talking about the picks. I know you have some intelligence. It's hot as balls up there this week, right? It's awful. So what's it gonna? What's that gonna do to the poa? Are the can they keep those greens alive? Because you know the way that 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 guys who've been successful at this joint, they they have missed off the tee, but then they've they've managed to hit greens in in regulation at a nice high clip. Are are these greens going to hold? There's going to be a break in the weather, it looks like. Uh, So it's only going to be in the mid to high 80s during the tournament. I I think uh, the bigger concern for a little while was, are they going to be able to hold the tournament with all the fires? Yeah, Uh, right. uh, And it looks like they're going to be able to go ahead. The, The crew there at Silverado is great, and the course is pretty lush, which is maybe a good, maybe a bad thing. Because for those few guys who are here to tune up for the U.S. Open, Shane Lowry, Phil Mickelson, Jordan Spieth, et cetera, uh, Mark Hubbard, this is not going to be the best tune-up, right? This There's not going to be much similarity between the courses this week and next. But, uh, but there, I think a lot of the stats that you lay out still hold for the course. I don't think the course... It will be hot. It was also super hot the first couple of rounds last year. So I, I think uh, the, the, st- the stats still hold as you're looking at those head-to-head matchups. So as you go through your lineup, you're telling me you're going to pick a couple of 
a little sprinkle a little sauce on a few winners if you can find some value there. Yeah, in like the 60 to 70 to 80 range. 60 to 1, 70 to 1, 80 to 1. That's what uh, that's the category I'm interested in. Okay, we're going to pick some head-to-head matchups based on some of the details of the course and some of the stats that based on the course layout and history tell you this guy does better on this course. For example, this week, if you do not look at Brendan Steele in a serious way, you are a lunatic because if you're sitting here listening and you don't really know who Brendan Steele is, he's won this damn tournament twice. So just like last week, we saw Xander kicking the shit out of Eastlake as he seems to do every single year. Brendan Steele is always hanging around the hoop on this tournament. So you got to take a look at, you know, a guy like that besides head to heads. Is there anything else from a betting perspective that you personally look at this week? So sometimes I'll do top 10s and top 20s if I have an idea that somebody is in good form and their their odds, you know, I, I I'm typically only play the top 10s and top 20s on guys where I can start getting, you know, three to one odds or, or you know, better than that. I, I, I'm not interested in, in just like nickel and diming on, on, on top 10s. And, and top 20s. I want to like, you know, hit mini home runs, but I'm all, but there's, I'm selective with it based again on the attributes of what the course seems to call for, what we know about recent form of some guys. And if it looks like there is some, some mispricing, um, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and, and play a little bit of that. But mostly all, all of my bankroll each week goes to four tournament head to heads and then once they start playing rounds, I'll play matchups. I'll play, you know, round two matchups, round three matchups, or round four matchups um, based on the real data that we can get now. This is part of the beauty of, of all of the steps that have, um, you know, been taken to make, um, you know, for the, the gambling and DFS community a lot more um, attuned. You can get strokes gained in almost real time these days and see what guys are actually performing well. Like, you know, the problem with, with tournament head to heads is I don't know whose wife yelled at, at him before he left the morning that he went out, notwithstanding the fact that he might be in great form. I don't know who was up, you know, half the night with this kid, um, because the, the, you know, the kid ate something bad. So sometimes you can be on the wrong side of the tournament head to head, but the, the nice thing, with the matchups that, that come in the actual rounds is you have real data happening uh, in, in real time and you can start to, to you know, start make some, some separation that way. And so as we pivot and look at this week, are, are there any of those that look particularly tasty to you at, at a tournament like this? I mean, I, I feel like, listen, we've had a lot of guests on over the last couple of weeks who do this for a living, right? Sobel, we had Pat, you know, we've had a lot of guys who are thinking about Pat Mayo, you know, thinking about odds and and how to bet. My guess is this week, they're going to tell us to fade the living crap out of Phil Mickelson. Do you agree? Sure. I I mean, what has Phil shown you in competitive stroke play that makes you think that you're going to get any kind of return on investment out of Phil Mickelson. A tasty cup of coffee and a win at a Champions League tournament? <laughs> I mean, I love the sunglasses. I love the coffee. I don't have any problem with, with, the, with the brand. I just don't want to put any money in him being good at golf. A cute, self-deprecating commercial about his blow-up at winged foot? 
it, it's it's charming, but what's that have to do with, with the bankroll, Nate Dog? Yeah, fair enough. So so we look at this week and we go, those are sucker bets. Those guys at the top end of the board who are getting these odds based on their name because we have such a diluted field. And by the way, to be clear, the reason we're setting this up this way is there are going to be a number of diluted fields in the fall. We don't know what's going to happen at the Dominican Republic uh, event at Corrales after the U.S. Open. Sanderson Farms, you know, the week after that in October. I think probably the Vegas tournament's going to draw a few more people out. Shriners at TPC Summerlin, then uh, the CJ Cup at Shadow Creek, and certainly the Zozo at Sherwood here in L.A. You know, we're going to see a lot of the big guys step up for that. But Bermuda, the Houston Open, which both come at the end of October, early November, and the RSM Classic the week after the Masters, those are the kinds of events where there's real money to be made because a lot of the big guys are going to sit those out. And the ones that do show up are generally um, people you can put on a poster more than you want to put in your fantasy lineup or at the top of your of your betting card, right? That's exactly right. The, these events are the ones where I might go ahead and, and do four or five or six bets on outright to win because if you hit one 60 to one or 70 to one or 80 to one that really uh pays for a lot of the rest of the year yeah. and you know uh i don't bet in increments where it's going to be uncomfortable i i take a look at you know if i'm going to do four to six outright bets i just count all that money as gone so that's discretionary entertainment money to me it's the functional equivalent of going out and buying you know, two or three delicious cases of Heineken, right? It's discretionary <laughs> entertainment money that, you know, I, I get some enjoyment out of, you know, using my money that way. And so that, that's what I would do um, with those outrights. And w- the ones that where I, I'll be a bit more serious are the, are the head-to-heads. And I think that, you know, you can get good odds in, in the head-to-heads also. Like you can get kind of even odds sometimes for um, two guys that are paired up where one guy you can develop an opinion is going to is, is in much better shape than, than the other guy. So I'll, I will be looking. There's only a handful of head to heads out right now, but I'm anticipating. And, you know, a good example of this, honestly, was last week. I, I had Harris English at plus 125 in a tournament matchup against Hideki Matsuyama, uh, who was minus odds. Now, uh, Harris English with a great track record on par 70 Bermuda venues, Southern boy, University of Georgia. Hideki was minus odds because Hideki had performed so well out at uh, Olympia Fields and he was in front of us for 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 four rounds. But, he, but you know, you go into the numbers, he scrambled his ass off. Not a sustainable way at, at performing successful golf rounds. And so... I, you know, Harris English ended up beating Hideki by, I think, three strokes over the course of, of the tournament. That was a big fat winner for me. Those are the kinds of, of mismatches that I'm looking for. Besides Phil Mickelson being the weekend at Bernie's uh, golfer who just is sort of being paraded around for marketing purposes, this week we actually have a few super interesting stories in the field as we launch into this new season. And uh, so let's get to talking about what is interesting from this week. There's been a lot written uh, as people have tried to sort of 
quickly pivot away from the tour championship and launch into this. We've got to create some relevance for this week for sure. But, it, but again, as you just laid out for us, there are going to be opportunities at these down events. The reason that you should stay engaged and listen, this doesn't mean you got to watch four straight rounds and, you know, wake up early to watch, but it's worth sprinkling a little stuff across these events because there's real value and opportunity. It's just harder to pick the guys when all the best players in the world are at these events because there's so many good guys. One of the things we laid out last night was that I think there's eight guys who you could make a passionate and convincing case are going to win at Wingfoot. And none of those guys, by the way, are Tiger Woods or Phil Mickelson. And so what we have coming into this event is opportunity and value. So I talked to you about Brendan Steele. He's going to have some inflated odds because he's won here before and people are sort of hip to it. But there's a number of other guys who are in this field this week who have some interesting momentum. They've got a year in front of them that looks like they're on the upswing. And I'm happy to talk about my thoughts there, but I'm interested out of the bat right now. Who's interesting this week? Who do you think is going to stay away from the Cabernet and hit the golf ball onto the green. One of the guys that I have on my card, um, and and he uh, performed pretty well over the course of the restart, and that's Mr. Doc Redman. Yeah. He is... Uh, it's a great call. He's been a, a, a really good ball striking wise. Fifth in approach since the restart. Putt like um, Hideki. Well, that, this is the issue, right? He, 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 he can't putt, but... I do like guys with a little bit of a West Coast orientation. Doc Redman, winner of the U.S. Amateur at L.A. Country Club a handful of years ago, beat Doug M. Mm. And so, you know, demonstrated uh, a kind of feel for, I don't, it's a it's silly way to kind of generalize, but I don't mind making it because there is something to guys who play better in California. And it, maybe he can, you know, catch something he's also been hitting um his solid hitting he's seventh in opportunities gained over the past three months so you know good trend line for doc redmond i can talk all day about the guy who's being completely completely ignored in this tournament but first let's just say that camilo viegas is going to play this tournament and you know as if you've followed golf closely, you know that his 22-month-old daughter passed away in July. And the entire tour, his daughter's name was Mia, and the entire tour really came behind him <clears throat> to support him through that process. And he's a guy who's been out, and I think he's actually played tour championship. I might be wrong about that. But um, but he's he's really beloved on tour. He played the Corn Ferry this year, obviously took some time off. He's in the field this week. Uh, so if there is going to be a feel-good story, that's the guy uh, who I'm definitely pulling for. I like that. I'll, I'll probably bet on him also as a sign of solidarity and good faith. Just to bring it up, let, let's get the good the good mojo going for him. But there's some other really interesting guys who are coming back into the field. Graham Dillette, who's one of the best ball strikers anybody's ever seen. He's been out for a long time on an injury. Because of the diluted field, Graham gets into this tournament. This is a guy who's competed in a lot of tournaments before. Very, very good golfer. He's just fallen back so far because of his injuries that he hasn't been able to get out there. I'm hearing he's healthy. And Graham Dillette can, I mean, watching him hit on the range 
you just can see the difference. Even dummies like you and me can sit out there and see the difference between a guy who is an amazing ball striker. Speaking of amazing ball strikers, House. Let's hear it. There's one guy in this field who I can't believe there's no conversation about, but there is no conversation. I am ride or die. Do you hear me? Until the end of time, I am ride or die with Jordan goddamn Spieth. <laughs> and, and he is in well, this you field. You really are. I mean, you're nothing if not consistent. Go ahead. Let's he, hear the case. He is in this field with a bunch of nobodies. He's teeing off with Brant Snedeker and Jim Furyk. Jim Furyk, by the way, who led the tour last year in driving accuracy and greens and regulation and did not make the playoffs. So I, I don't know what that tells you about the core setup. But they're basically putting him in the museum of interesting golfers and sending him out there. Jordan Spieth has a ton of great golf left in front of him. He's had a few weeks off this fall. I bet we see a lot of Jordan Spieth as he tries to sort of tune up for, he's going to be in the U S open. He's going to be obviously in the masters as he tries to get ready for those events and to sort of pick his game back up to the level where we know it can be. So I am stunned that there's not more conversation about this being one of those weeks where Jordan Spieth can get out, get that win, because everything that's happening with Jordan right now is between the ears. Yes, they're mechanics and so forth, but this is one of the best golfers of his generation, period. And he needs that boost of confidence that went into the water four times on the 12th hole at the Masters a few years ago that we haven't you know, sent the scuba divers in to take out. It's a tournament like this or like Bermuda or one of those off weeks where he's going to get the mojo four, four you know, rounds in a row, come out with a win. And we're going to be talking about, you know, his little, his little blip of the last two years, uh, l- like, like we talk about, you know, other players' hiccups, DJ's hiccups and so forth as Jordan gets back after it. Totally agree with that thesis. Fuck, I just want it to be true, man. It, it will happen. I just don't think it's going to happen this week. There's nothing that we've seen out of him that suggests that, that he was close. So... He's not on my list. I I do want to, and I and I I hesitate to even proceed in this direction. Oh God! And if you want to uh, chide it, me, it's, it's fine. Go afterwards. You can do it. I what I want to do is just call attention to two golfers that are okay. friends of the pod. Uh-huh. We've had them as as guests since the restart. Trying to think of who it could be. They are members of the Donkey Stable. They I'll are. start with Damon because you know what. He has been on a heater. He finished inside the top 25 of half the events he entered in in 2020. He's good at golf. He's good at golf. And how about this? You know what he's really good at? Mustaches. And excellent at irons as well. His weakness is chipping. And we're hopeful that that is not an element that that's he that he needs to perform well at. We know he's comfortable on Poa, one of our West Coast guys that we talked about. He finished top ten at the PGA Championship, which was barely a month ago. We had a nice top twenty finish at the BMW Championship at Olympia Fields. Why can't he catch his first win at this venue? I'm just putting it out there in that in that manner. Why can't he get his first win? And then it's just noteworthy. All I want to do is just lay out some data. I'm not telling anybody what to do. Mark Hubbard has made four or five cuts here. He finished 13th here 
last year. His strokes Fuck gained you. approach is on the plus side. His strokes gained putting is Fuck is you. is really extraordinary. He's uh, ninth in strokes gained putting over the past twenty four rounds. We know that he likes Poa. These are just data points. I'm just gonna talk about that now. Look, do you know where his first hole in one at his first tournament ever on the PGA Tour happened? Here. Fuck you. <laughs> so look, if it happens. Think about all the red wine we're going to drink. And that's something to root for. This is the week in which, you know, those, those mid-tier guys who are just mutters, right? They're the ones who are not going to win 23 times on the PGA Tour. We're not going to be wondering why they blew 54-hole leads in four major. You know, like, they're not DJ. They're not these other guys. This is one of those tournaments where those one of those mutters steps up and wins. And Brendan Steele's an example of that. Uh, I think Cameron Champ is a step above that for sure. Um, Kevin but, Tway is an example of that. Right. And, and Emiliano Grillo is an example of is that. Is an example of that. And and Joel Damon and Mark Hubbard, who are probably staying in a house together this week, uh, are are also examples of that. So that's all all we'll say, right? It's just data. For all of our eagle enthusiasts, all the birdie buddies to 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 kind of take on, Nate. I know that it it feels like the last season just ended, <laughs> but the new season <laughs> is upon us. And I will say, there is a psychological break because for sure there there is a little bit of a return to normalcy. At least the the way that life feels like it's it's uh sort of going here on the East Coast. Lots and lots and lots of kids resuming school. Either online or in person, all you know, depending on what sort of measures the schools have taken. The weather definitely is changing a little bit less humidity. So why not? It's a brand new season with full of brand new opportunities. Let's try and generate a little ROI for ourselves and let's root for some of our, our own friends on tour to try and 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 bring home a little red wine for us. G- golf did an amazing job this spring, unexpectedly, we should say, of leading the way for American sports. They showed us that it can be done and how to do it, uh, how to bring it back and bring it back safely. And now we've got a new season that in so many ways, because of the talent at the top, but also the personalities and the talent in the middle, coupled with a ton of extra events, we get two US Opens and two Masters within the span of, of less than 12 months. We could have some guy who is holding four, <laughs> two masters and two U.S. Opens at the same time. It's never been done before. And, uh, you know, that coupled with these events this fall, which as you laid out for us today, actually have a bunch of intrigue and cash opportunity, uh, makes me fired up for the season ahead. There we go. So, so, so cheers, right? Cheers to our good fortune. Cheers to continued good luck. Cheers to, you know, what, what, what has been working, continuing to work and cheers to, you know, hopefully a, a, a global return to normalcy much sooner rather than much later. U.S. Open next week, baby. U.S. Open next week. We are off to wing foot. <laughs> <laughs>